1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. We're coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. I hope that everyone is doing incredibly well here on this Tuesday. Coming up on today's show, a loaded lineup joining us as I've got my co-host in studio, Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. We've got birthdays in sports. Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves, joins us at 3.30. We will have our Tennessee SEC preview at 4.15. Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer is on the show at 4.30. The final hour, we'll talk about the Arkansas Razorbacks as they gear up for the upcoming season. And we've got a nightly TV guide brought to you by the fine folks over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. JJ alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress from here inside our studios on South College Street. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing fantastic. Uh, It was a great weekend. Uh, This is uh, me and Ryan's first show of the week so uh i won't speak for him but i'm excited to be here i'll let him uh tell you how excited he is in just a moment uh but yeah (laughs) there you go there it is very excited um yeah great weekend i I experienced my first ever mls match over the weekend went up to atlanta united uh i know we've got a few atlanta united fans uh that listen to us unfortunately for for them i was rooting for the other team uh and these seattle sounders so unfortunately for me Sounders did not win. It was a it was a great atmosphere, though. Um, I've always heard good things about Atlanta United's atmosphere up there, and it was it was fun. Uh, the only the the worst thing I was telling Ryan off the air yesterday uh, in the office that. I, when Seattle scored in the 68th minute, 62nd minute, somewhere around there, to tie the game at one, I leapt up from my seat and yelled, and I've never felt more alone in, in my life. Yeah. I've never felt more alone in my life when I, I was that? cheering, and there was you know 70-something thousand people in that stadium that just didn't want it, and then it was just, I, I immediately sat back down. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but it was so fun to be up there over the weekend, and I uh, can't wait to go back for a, hopefully next time I go back, I don't have to root against Atlanta United, and I can experience that uh, environment in its full glory. Um, Auburn football practice rolls on. Had another me- uh, media viewing session today, and the media heard from um, Coach Brian Harson a couple players earlier. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Takeaways from practices so far and uh can't wait to hear some of our callers today it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a great show indeed ryan how are you i'm doing great um had a good weekend in birmingham went home a little bit I'm trying to take advantage of that here before football season gets going and, and gets us all really busy and um so yeah i had a great weekend and Kept track of Auburn basketball, obviously, over these last couple of days. Unfortunately, the Braves had a uh, really rough series in New York. Um, I personally think the Mets will win the division. I kind of was leaning that way all along because of how good this Mets team is, but the Braves losing four out of five is 
pretty uh, pretty close to nailing the coffin. I know there's still 50, 55 games left, but uh, if the Braves can't beat the Mets straight up, they're never going to make up significant ground. The Mets are too good. So uh, that was a very disappointing series to see that play out that way. Um, but uh, beyond that, uh, just taking in everything and getting closer and closer to football. Excited to do these previews today. I think there'll be a lot of fun to do throughout the next week or two. And, uh, man, it's, it's getting here. Had your had the coaches poll come out yesterday. So starting to get a uh, footing for where everyone's going to be slotted to start the season and, you know, hearing more about fall camp and what Brian Harson has to say and trying to get closer to figuring out the quarterback battle. So really, really a lot going on here as we're, we're under four weeks away. Getting closer to the start of the college football season, 25 days away. We announced that on our social media platforms earlier, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SportsCallAU. Uh, Colby Wooden wears jersey number 25 for the Auburn Tigers. So we've got a cool graphic that's out there online for you to go check out and support. Again, if you want to be a part of the show feel free to call us 334-887-3401 we do this each and every day on the show let's take this opportunity to celebrate some birthdays it's time for today's birthdays in sports indeed birthdays in sports here today on august 9th of 2022 how about Deion sanders 55 years old today the current head football coach of the jackson state tigers a former nfl cornerback and mlb outfielder selected fifth overall in the 1989 nfl draft by the atlanta falcons out of florida state also played for the san francisco 49ers dallas cowboys washington redskins baltimore ravens a two-time super bowl champion the 1994 nfl defensive player of the year eight-time pro bowler he's a member of the Atlanta Falcons Ring of Honor a two-time unanimous All-American as a college football Hall of Fame uh, as a college football player and he's a member of the Pro Football and College Football Hall of Fames Deion Sanders primetime 55 years old today Coach Prime what a guy Coach Prime indeed he's uh, featured front and center in the uh, ESPN's college football trailer this year He's got a nice little clip in there. Fun guy. Yeah. Fun guy. We've got uh, Bob Cousy, who's celebrating his birthday today. He's 94 years old, the former MLB point guard, selected third overall in the 1950 NBA draft out of Holy Cross. Played almost his entire career with the Boston Celtics. Six-time league champion, 1957 MVP, member of the NBA's 25th, 35th, 50th, and 70th. 70th anniversary teams. His number 14 jersey is retired by the Boston Celtics, a recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2019. The Hall of Famer, Bob Cousy, is 94. I've never heard anybody say Bob Cousy's name more than Bruce Pearl when he was uh, lobbying for Jared Harper to win the Bob Cousy That's Award a, a couple point. years ago. I remember that. Ime Udoka is 45. Here's more basketball birthdays. Uh, current head coach of the Boston Celtics. Former NBA small forward, went undrafted in 2000 NBA draft, spent a lot of time in the NBA D-League and overseas before finally getting into and staying in the league, played for the Lakers, Knicks, Blazers, and Spurs. Current head coach of the Boston Celtics, Ime Udoka, is 45 years old today. 
Jason Hayward is 33 years old today. Happy birthday, Jay Hay, a current outfielder for the Chicago Cubs. Also played for the Atlanta Braves and St. Louis Cardinals. 2010 All-Star, 2016 World Series champion with the Cubs. Five-time Gold Glove Award winner. He was the 2014 Wilson Defensive Player of the Year and a three-time Fielding Bible Award. Our guy, Jason Hayward, Jay Hay, 33 years old today. Well, did you see his early birthday present yesterday? What was that? The Cubs said that uh, despite having a year left on his contract that he has played his final game with the Cubs. Wow. He's injured. They are shutting him down for the year, and he will be released this offseason. He will not play for the Cubs Look next at year. that. Bring and that back. is not a fun birthday Remember, present. Remember, he signed an eight-year, like $180 million. He got this absurdly big contract for what he is. Jason Hayward's an average player uh, and has been for a long time. Uh, he obviously had huge hype coming up. But, yeah, the Cubs straight up told him yesterday – we're we're gonna release you this tough all day. So bring him back, Alex Anthopoulos. Early, un, not happy birthday yeah. present. But we will issue a happy birthday right now on August 9th. If it's your birthday, happy birthday to you. Again, birthdays in sports today: Deion Sanders, Bob Cousy, Ime Udoka, and Jason Hayward. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, James from Montgomery is on the show next here on Sports Call. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Follow SportsCall on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU. Moving on here on Sports Call on this Tuesday, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson is my name inside the studio with Ryan Lavoy and Brooks Childress. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. You can visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Give us a call to join the show by calling 334-887-3401 locally or the toll-free option 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. Coming up in 15 minutes. Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves, will join us on the program today. All right, what we want to do right now is go back to that Auburn Bank phone line and bring on our first caller of today's show. It is James from Montgomery. James has called into the program today. Hi, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I am so ready for the Auburn football season. I am actually counting down the day to the opening week when we actually play on September 3rd against Mercer University. And that I know, I know it's going to be a really good game uh, between these two uh, classic, uh, uh, two classic uh, universities that are going to be playing back in Jordan-Hare Stadium as well. How many days away are we, James? How many more days until Auburn football? I will have to say, well, I'll have to say 24 days away. 25. 25. I said it earlier. We're close. 25 days away from Auburn football. 
Yes, we are actually 25 days away from our first season opener to open up the 2022 season. And I'm just going to see how TJ Family is actually going to be doing for uh, the first string of the 2022 season as well. Yeah, a lot of praise for Zach Calzada so far in fall camp, but maybe it will be TJ Finley who gets the starting job. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, so with with this being said, um, do you think that Auburn, uh, like what would be like the end result of the – um, of the of the overall reaction of um, where do you think Auburn is going to rank um, after like the end of the season? Like, how many games do you think Auburn will win in the twenty twenty two schedule? That's a lot of questions right there. Let's break it down a little bit. Auburn right now is not in the preseason USA Today coaches poll top 25. Uh, And so where they would rank, I think that's going to be affected by the number of games that they win. I think we talked about this on on yesterday's program, and I kind of stole the line of thinking from Ryan uh, when he was hosting the show last week. I think a ceiling for this Auburn football team currently would be that nine-win threshold in the floor. You're looking at six. So I could see anywhere from six and six to nine and three for Auburn football in the year 2022. Yeah, so I'm actually looking at probably like a nine and six uh, overall record on the end of the 2022 schedule. But I might as well like like actually like push it up a little, probably like ten and probably I should I'll probably say like ten and two actually yeah yeah nine and six is is not a record they'd have too many games being played there but yeah it'd be awesome if auburn went 10 and 2 that would be amazing yes that's why because i'm actually looking at like other uh college uh teams actually out there i'm looking at alabama state so they'll be playing their first um historic season on august the 27th of next week they'll be playing in Montgomery so I'll be rooting for them and actually watching that game on ESPN uh, on the on the regular ESPN so it'll be on the main network of ESPN as well so I'm going to be seeing what uh, Alabama State is actually going to be doing as well. Perfect. 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 Yes. And then with the um, reaction from yesterday's game in Israel, I mean, we should have won that game, but I think we should, you know, we should just put that, you know, behind us and worry about, you know, the opening season that we're going to have uh, in November as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've obviously got to worry about the upcoming college basketball season, take away the positives from what they were able to do. In Israel, they were playing an Olympic team, like professionals, like grown men, adults. So the fight that Auburn had yesterday was admirable, and uh, I can't wait for basketball season to get here. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually going to see um, – I can't wait for basketball season to, uh, to actually take off and uh, getting to see some of these great guys and maybe seeing some of these great guys actually making it to the NBA in 2023 as well. It'd be possible, and that would be really exciting if they were able to start their professional careers that way. We're just going to have to, again, wait and see. Yeah, and then um, I just saw – uh, the Auburn uh, soccer team actually won four games to three, so that's a really uh, a really good uh, start off for the season opener of, of the soccer season yeah. as well. And I 
And I actually think they're going to have a good season this year. Yeah, their first real game will be next Thursday. That was an exhibition, and they won by a score of 4-1 to one over Georgia Southern. So a really impressive win for Coach Karen Hoppe and her team to get the year started. Yes, as well. And then I do have some sad music and movie news. Uh, my favorite actress of all time, one of my favorite movies that I've seen her actually play in is in Greece. I love uh, that movie. We talked about it a lot yesterday, James. Yes, Olivia Newton-John passed away yesterday with uh, complications of breast cancer. So, you know, my heart do go out to her and her family as well. And she is an amazing, amazing actress. And her voice is so amazing as well. She did a wonderful job playing the character Sandy in the Grease movie uh, alongside Danny John Travolta. John Travolta had a very heartfelt uh, message about her passing. But yeah, Olivia Newton-John passes away at the age of 73. Yes. And then I do have... Um, some great news about uh, Serena Williams. She's actually stepping away from playing tennis. So she will be calling her retirement uh, sometime this week or next week as well. And she's not going to be the only one that's going to be uh, calling her retirement. Actually, uh, WNBA star for the, for the Seattle Storm, Sue, Sue Bird, is actually going to be calling her retirement. And it's a night game, so she'll be playing her final game tonight in the playoff uh, in the the first round of the playoff tonight as well. Why do you think it's great news that Serena Williams is retiring? Well, um, that's a really good question because basically for me I I mean, I really like a lot of different things that that she's really admired for a lot of a lot of young women and a lot of uh, younger people in general to actually see her great uh, accomplishments that she's done over the time of her of her great career um, of playing tennis as well. And she has some really great moments in um, in Wimbledon and then in Wimbledon and in the U.S. Open and the Australian Open as well. That I actually uh, got a chance to actually see her over her time in um, being a great tennis player as well. Yeah, no, she is an outstanding tennis player, so we'll see what the next phase of her life looks like. As again, it does seem like she's going to start to walk away. At 40 years old, what an amazing career she's had. Yes, as well. And then with the WNBA playoffs starting tonight, I'm actually going to be watching the Chicago uh, Sky and the Los Los Vegas Aces, and I'm actually going to be watching the L.A. Sparks and um, my Dallas Wings will be playing them next couple of weeks, so I have to see what um, who we're going to actually uh, face when they actually come, uh, when we actually go up to L.A. Uh, next week as well. So I'm just going to be watching the L.A. Sparks and uh, seeing who we're going to stop on that team as well. Yeah, well, James, you got a little bit of time, buddy. The regular season doesn't end until Sunday, August 14th, and the playoffs start next Wednesday. So you got a little bit of time before they start. Yes, that's well. So I'm just going to be watching uh, some of these. I'm going to be watching these uh, four teams, these eight teams, actually, before um, next week and um, seeing if, if we're actually going to make it 
to um, a, a good win for my Dallas Wings as well. And then tonight I'm actually going to be watching the Atlanta Braves and seeing if they're going to win as well. Yeah, the Braves got a big uh, two-game series coming up here on the road at the Boston Red Sox. And so hopefully the Braves can bounce back after a disappointing weekend against the Mets and get a, get a win tonight. Yeah, well, so I don't have any... Was our buddy James from Montgomery joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Always good to hear from James. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 tiger if you would like to call in. And uh, talking baseball, that's the weirdest I've ever said that word before. I've said baseball probably, any, I don't know, roughly 700,000 times in my existence. Never said it like that before. We're going to talk about the Braves baseball team as they get set for two games with the Boston Red Sox. That happens right after this on Tiger 95.9 FM. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. And on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson inside the studio here today with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. As uh, we're having a great Tuesday show so far. Again, as we said at the top, 25 days away from the very first Auburn football game of the season in the heart of fall camp opening up and moving on. So football season is rapidly approaching, but baseball season moves on. And we love watching this Atlanta Braves team play. We love listening to them right here. Your home for the Atlanta Braves radio network in Auburn, Alabama is within our company at Tiger Communications. And we're so honored to now go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on the radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, Ben Ingram, who joins us on today's show. Ben, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. How are you guys? Very well. Thank you for asking. Like we said, football season is uh, getting here closely, but uh, it's also baseball. Here we are in the month of August. That season is winding down, and Atlanta walks away from a big five-game set with the New York Mets. Things didn't go the way Atlanta wanted them to. If there was one big issue that stood out to you from that five-game series with the Mets, Ben, what would that be? I think the biggest issue that I saw was just the Mets were a better team for that series. They pitched better. Uh, I thought they did a really good job of of fighting off really tough pitches, fouling off some tough pitches, going deep in counts, driving up the pitch count for some of our pitchers early in games, and getting on base. There was a stretch there where the Braves didn't have a shutdown one, two, three inning, I want to say for about 12 innings. So just constant pressure, constant uh, pressure from guys on the base paths. And, and they just wore you down. And, and I've not seen a Mets team play that well in some time. And uh, That's definitely the best ball I've seen out of them. And you put that with their pitching, and you got a, a, a pretty good team. And they displayed that versus the Braves in those five games. Pitching is obviously a big thing when you've got a five-game series and knowing that you're going to have to factor in a doubleheader in that event as well. The trade deadline, of course, uh, just had happened as well. What was your takeaways from the pitching staff from the Atlanta Braves' perspective, Ben? 
Well, I, I think for where the Braves are, the biggest question is Ian Anderson. And, of course, he, he was sent to AAA, and, and there's a chance that we will see him this weekend. In fact, that's probably the plan just because there is another doubleheader coming up on Saturday as he'll be down in Miami. But that, that doesn't take away the fact that the Braves have a big question at the very back end of their rotation. To me, that's the biggest question on the ball club right now. And when you get to the postseason, assuming they do, that's not as big of a, of a glaring hole because you can do it with, with four players given the off day and use four pitchers. But between now and then, you got to find a way to get into the postseason. And you need really good, strong starting pitching. And, and that, to me, has been an inconsistency all year for the Braves. So um, I think getting Jake Odorizzi to a degree helps. Uh, not that you're expecting anything incredibly special from Jake Odorizzi from the standpoint of him coming in here and being an ace. He's not. You're just hoping for somebody who can consistently go deep in games. And, and if you have a big lead, he can hang around long enough to get a win. That was the biggest issue with Ian. The one ball game the Braves won in New York was a game that he started. He got tons of run support. He had eight runs in the first two innings of the ball game, And he couldn't even hang around long enough to be the pitcher of record. And that's the second time we've seen that out of Ian. And in his last eight starts, he's really only had one good one. And the inconsistency to me was the biggest issue. So I, I think you're able to, to plug a, a hole, hopefully, as Jacob Rizzi could, if he's in that same situation that Ian was, he could go at least five innings and get a win at a ball game. But it, to me, you still have a, a glaring hole there at the back end of the rotation. Ben, you, you mentioned you sending uh, Ian Anderson down to AAA. If the Braves are able to get Mike Soroka back here at the end of this season, do you think Ian Anderson would be able to come back up no matter what he does in AAA? Yeah, he, he can always come back up, and I, I'm, I'm not counting on Mike uh, coming. I'm, I'm not counting on seeing Mike this season. If, if we do, then I'll be thoroughly surprised. Um, I don't want to bet against Mike, but at the same time, bringing him up after not pitching for two years and throwing him into the rotation in September just seems like a long shot at this point. I think what you have right now is what you got, and to be quite honest, I wouldn't count on Mike Soroka until next season, but... Um, we've seen guys go down in the past. We saw Ian go down last year. Remember, he had a shoulder issue. He was down for a while. When he came back up, he pitched some really big innings in the postseason, and that's the hope. And this team has got to find a way to to get back to where they were and get into the postseason. Um, Losing four or five was a big blow. It's going to be a challenge to win the division now, but you still have seven games against the Mets, and all seven of those games will be in Atlanta. Uh, so that's where you really have to find a way to strike back and, and make up some ground. Otherwise, you have to focus on the wild card and then get in the way you can and then line things up with your pitchers at that point. And, of course, Ben, obviously we, we mentioned Jacob Odorizzi a little bit, but also uh, a big acquisition, the last acquisition of the trade deadline right around uh, the, the time of the deadline was Rossell Iglesias from uh, the Los Angeles Angels. What are the Braves getting in a guy like Iglesias? And then also your thoughts on, on also amongst all the moves, uh, Will Smith no longer being a Brave and out with the Houston Astros. Yeah, I'll start with Will. I think it just made sense for both parties to, to go different ways. If you can move him, you do. Um, he, he was a huge part of what the Braves accomplished last season. You don't win the World Series without Will Smith. That being said, last year and this year, two different things. And you're still trying to win baseball games this year. And when you're putting him in in 6-1 games, 7-0 games, uh, five-run leads, and, and he's still giving up runs and, and it becomes a, a question and doubt uh, in the ninth inning when he's trying to mop up, you're just looking for a different answer, and you're hoping that he can maybe get back on track with another team and the Braves can go a different direction and uh, go a different route with their bullpen. So that made sense. I think getting Iglesias was enormous, not just for this season, but for the next few years as well. 
after this season. Kenley Jansen's on a one-year deal. I don't know that he's back. If I had to bet on it right now, he probably would not be. Uh, your closer for 2023 and the next few years after that, I think the plan right now would be it's Russell Iglesias. Now, what he does for this season is he adds to your bullpen. He can be your eighth-inning guy and then hand it to Kenley, and then he can be- become the closer next season and-, and be a guy that you count on. He's, he's really, really good. He has three pitches. Uh, get swing and miss stuff. And that, to me, is the most valuable thing for a closer. It's great to get outs, but I need swings and misses in the ninth inning. And he produces that. He throws very hard. So um, 32 years old, and there's still a lot of fuel left in his tank. And I think that was a big move to get in, not just for this season, but for the years to come. Ben, I uh, want to look at some of the injury updates for the Braves. I want to get, uh, get an update on where Ozzie Albies is and coming back. And then we saw Ronald Acuna get scratched from the lineup on Sunday in that uh, rain-delayed game. It, the, it was announced that it was precautionary. He's back in the lineup tonight. But is this something that uh, Braves need to be worried about with Acuna? No, not at all. He, if, if he were not in there tonight, then there would probably be a little smoke there. You'd wonder what the fire was. This was just him needing a little time, and he pinch hit in that game. He came into the seventh inning and, and pinch hit in that game and then finished the game in the right field, and he's in there tonight. And, and it's just a, a, a means of trying to find ways to give him a little bit of extra time here and there with that knee. And he, and he said before that the knee still doesn't feel 100%. He has time, uh, difficult time trusting that knee every single night. And anytime they can give him a breather, I think that's a good thing. And they're able to do that the other night. So he's in there tonight. And now he'll have the challenge of playing right field at Fenway Park. And, and it's not easy playing left center or right here. It's always a challenge for the outfielders when they come here because the dimensions are so incredibly unique. But I think you feel good about his defensive abilities. Same with Michael Harris. Same with Robbie Grossman. As Grossman and Acuna both have experience playing here before. So uh, should be good to go with, with Acuna. And as far as, uh, as Ozzie Albies goes, uh, was able to chat with him uh, about a month ago, and I know Joe spoke with him about a week and a half ago, and he's hoping that he could start a rehab middle of this month. So this is August the 9th. I'm thinking within the next week maybe he could start a rehab, get the, the green light there, and then see how it feels. And he may need two, three days at Gwinnett. He may need a week. I don't know. It's just a matter of him getting out there. And then how does he feel 24 hours later? It's one thing to play, but can you go again 24 hours later? And that's what the ramp up will be. So if you could have him in there by Labor Day, I think that would be a big win. Um, this was a foot that when he broke it, it was sore to begin with. This wasn't a, an original injury that night. That, that foot was already hurt. And then he furthermore extended the injury when he when he broke it that night um so he's trying to battle back from that and once he's good to go i know he's ready to get back in there but it's going to be a slow ramp up i feel for him coming off a foot injury with with atrophy and things like that to bounce back from and ben also want to mention around the business of the team and and everything going around along the deadline it was not just trades obviously for atlanta austin riley gets a 10-year 212 million dollar contract to my knowledge that's the biggest contract I think the Braves have ever given. Uh, just just talk about what this means, keeping a, a, a big collection of players together now uh, for several years to come. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is is that that's how you stay competitive for a long time. That's how you remain a, a good team for a long time. Let's just use the 2019 Nationals, for example. They go out there and they win the World Series. Well, they had just lost Bryce Harper the year before. Anthony Rendon doesn't come back. Uh, they, lo- they trade Max Scherzer and trade Turner. Um, Steven Strasburg has had injury after injury since then. And what they did not do was lock up the players that could have kept them competitive long term. And here they are three years later, and they're the worst team in baseball. 
So, and, and I don't mean to pick on the Nationals, but I think it's just a perfect example because now the Braves have Matt Olson locked up and Ozzie Albies and Ronald Acuna and now Austin Riley. I'd imagine that they will eventually get something done with Dansby Swanson. I know that that, that continues to be an ongoing discussion. Uh, but if you can get Austin Riley for 10 years and it makes sense for both parties, that's exactly what you want to do. If you're giving out 10-year contracts to 32- and 33-year-old players, I think that becomes problematic. But you're talking about a 25-year-old, and I, don't, I still don't think we've seen him reach – uh, the highest level that he can play at for a long period of time. He's having a tremendous season, an MVP caliber season. I don't think he could be this for a long time. So to get him here for a decade, that's enormous. He does not want to go anywhere else. This is the perfect place for him. And he seems like the natural fit to be the next in line to go from Chipper to Freddie and now to Austin. Uh, that would be a natural progression, and the Braves are hoping that that's the case. And certainly after signing into that deal, that's what their intentions are. That's the voice of Ben Ingram right there. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ingram Radio. The Braves have two games coming up here at Fenway Park. Let's end with this, Ben. Tell us, uh, because we're, we're so envious of all the broadcasts that you get to do, so uh, getting to call a couple of games at Fenway Park, what's that view like? What's the vantage point there being there on, on site? Well, it, it's terrific. It's a great vantage point. It's a press box that pretty much sits right on top of the plate. Um, it, it's the, our booth has, gi- has one giant window, so it's a big, wide open space. Um, it's a very, gr- it's a great place to watch a game um, and to call a game for a place that's 107 years old. Uh, it, it's tr- it's really amazing to see how how great a vantage point that you truly have. We go to Wrigley, and you know Wrigley isn't a whole lot um, younger than Fenway is, and I love going to Wrigley, but it's a very, very tight booth and can be slightly inconveniencing. This place is not like that at all. Uh, They've done a wonderful job of the upkeep of this place and also keeping the historical charm that this place has. And I love calling games here. I wish we got to call more. These are my first games to call here since 2018. And it's always a a great time anytime you get to come here and and work Fenway Park. So um, lots of history and and lots of things that come to mind when it comes to to working this place. And it's always uh, fun to come here. Enjoy the time in Boston. We're hopeful for a couple of Braves wins this week. Thanks for joining us today, Ben. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, fellas. That's Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves, joining us here on Sports Call. So grateful every time he takes a phone call to chat with us about all things ATL Braves. The Braves taking on the Boston Red Sox. Two games at Fenway Park. This weekend, they've got some contests coming up with the Miami Marlins. Let's take a quick timeout. Sports Call continues in a moment. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now, back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys.
back on Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and with Ryan Lavoy. We hope that you're doing well on this Tuesday. Our thanks again to Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Braves for joining us a moment ago. And, Brooks, I bet that is pretty fun to call a game at Fenway Park. I'll tell you what, it's fun to call a, a game at Beauregard Stadium, so I'm sure it's fun to call a, a game at um, uh, Fenway Park. A stadium that's 107 yeah. years old? Yeah. Yeah, I think that probably is something that's fun and fair to do if you were to call a game and get that opportunity at the Major League level to, to call a game against the Red Sox. I mean, Fenway, Wrigley, I guess Yankee Stadium you know, still holds that awe, but it, it's not old Yankee Stadium. Stadium. Yeah, it's not quite the same. Though. But it, it, it's still it's the 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 Yankees. Like it's it's the yeah, New York for Yankees. the franchise. But you know, but the stadiums, you know, it's not the it's, same. It's it's a hundred years less old yeah. than some of these others. But it, it's still you know the awe of calling a game in Yankee Stadium. You're there, New York Yankees, the the baseball team. Um, I'm trying to think. Dodger Stadium, I guess, would hold that same uh, level of where you know you're like, this is this is awesome. I can't believe I get to call a game here. Um, I don't know if there's any other baseball stadiums that are old enough anymore because everyone. Which ones did you name? Wrigley, Fenway, Fenway, Dodger Stadium, and then I'd still hold Yankee Stadium there because it's still the New York Yankees. I don't know if there's anyone up. Maybe Camden Yards. Maybe it's a nice stadium, but it's not like a. But I don't feel like it's a bucket list. And there's a lot of a lot of these stadiums are nice. Like the stuff just built. (laughs) The stuff just built, like in Texas, is really nice. But um, there's not really any old old stadiums anymore. Like everybody's starting to get newer stadiums now. Back in my day, um, yeah, I think that's about it because. The most everything. Oh God, no! (laughs) Uh, I think everything else is built. For the most part, like Oakland's is kind of old. It's not historic, though. Dilapidated is more it's, like it's, it. Uh, it's not good. And uh, Angel's pretty – I was just running through all the teams in my head. I really – I think that's about it. So it's a very hidden view. I now. guess maybe Great American Ballpark. Maybe. It's no, not again, that old. nice park. Yeah, it's only like 20 years old, though. I mean, they get – Co- compare it to these others. I'll it's tell you not what, in that class. I've never been there. JJ's been there. He he can speak more on how you know, the view, but PNC Park. I feel like like every time you see the backdrop of PNC Park, that's like one of the best backdrops Gorgeous in baseball. Backdrop. Yeah, a lot of fun. Great venue, no doubt about that. Braves and Red Sox tonight, two games, and then they've got the Marlins for four games over the weekend. Got to talk with Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice. Loved what he had to say about the Atlanta Braves locking up Austin Riley along with Matt Olson, Ozzie Albies, Ronald Acuna Jr. Hopefully it is. Somebody like Dansby Swanson here soon. That's locked up for the Atlanta Braves. Austin Riley right now, this is interesting, second in MVP odds for the National League. That's how good he's been for Atlanta. We don't have to tell you that. But right now, the front runner for the National League MVP award, according According to Las Vegas, Paul Goldschmidt, minus 140 odds. Austin Riley in second at plus 550. Freddie Freeman is third. Pete Alonso currently fourth. Surprising there. And then you've got Nolan Arenado fifth. Trey Turner and Manny Machado tied for sixth. So Goldschmidt, Riley, Freeman, Alonso, Arenado, Turner. And there was a couple people that said that Austin Riley wasn't what shouldn't be in the race anymore after this past weekend. Didn't have a great weekend with the Mets. But 
who who did have a good weekend who has a good weekend against the Mets but uh, I think that you know those updated odds proves that Austin Riley is not out of the race for the MVP after just one weekend and it's it's one series you can't count them out after one series and so Goldschmidt's had a, a pretty pretty good year this year it, it, he kind of stepped it back up I'm a little surprised Alonzo's not higher than fourth um, again that's that is the team that's winning division but I mean, his numbers are very competitive. His batting average is a little lower. Uh, Goldschmidt is one of the National League leaders, if not the leader, depending on the day, uh, around 330. But they both have very similar power numbers. But oftentimes, I guess, you know, in baseball, because it's just so hard for one player to matter a lot, value is not really created in wins. Um you know, it's it's a subjective award because every sport feels a little different. It's so hard to be a non-quarterback and win in the NFL. Like, it just always seems like it's going to be a quarterback. And in the NBA, you know, there's always constant debates between, you know, guys that have been doing it for well for a long time versus the new guy that brings a new team kind of up to the forefront and major league baseball it, it almost turns out just who is the best player period not you know not value notwithstanding because mike try to just give you an easy example mike trout's won multiple mvp awards he's been the best player in the league or as good as anybody for eight or nine years now but the Angels haven't been worth a crap really any of those years. I think he's played in like one career playoff game. They made a wild card wild card game or maybe a wild card series one year. So he's only played in like one postseason, but yet he's won more than one MVP award. So obviously, in some of the way that other sports do it, like no one in the NBA is winning most valuable player award if their team doesn't make the playoffs. And, and no one in the NFL is winning most valuable player award if your team doesn't make the playoffs. So I think that baseball is just a little different animal, so I guess I shouldn't get caught up on. Oh, look at the how good the Mets are! You know, best player in the on one of the best teams. You know, I think it is more about statistics and just how good that person is. And Goldschmidt has been. I mean, he's a triple. I mean, he's kind of in the mix for the triple crown in the National League. Uh, I don't know where his twenty-eight home runs rank. Probably like third-ish or fifth-ish somewhere in there. I know Schwarber's probably going to run away with that, but RBI is an average. He's, he's right up there. That's what we said. So it's Goldschmidt with the best odds right now to win the NL MVP. Riley is second. Freeman third. Pete Alonso fourth. As we end our number one, if you guys had to put money down right now on who is going to be the MVP of the league, where are you going? Who's going to be? Who's going to be the National League MVP? When you're they, making a bet like this, who are you putting your money on? Do they give it before the World Series or after the World Series? I think I, votes I, are it's, turned it's in. It's only before. a regular season yeah. award. Um, Alonzo. I think Alonzo's the best value. He's going to start to the climb. New York, the New York market. Cardinals not sure of a bet to be good down the stretch. Alonzo. I'm going to go with New York market as well, but I'm going to go Aaron Judge. Well, that's the American and That's League. the American League. Oh, MVP. National League MVP. Um, that would be historic if Aaron Judge won the NL MVP. Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Give me Freddie Freeman. To remind folks, it's not just one MVP right. in baseball. They do not have that award. There is a National League MVP and an American League MVP. All right. The first hour of our show has come to a close. Alongside Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour of the books, and we're rolling.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson here inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress as uh, we've had a fun first hour. We were able to chat with our buddy Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves. Coming up this hour, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us and also the Tennessee Volunteers. They're getting ready for an exciting season. Second year of head football coach Josh Heupel. They're on Rocky Top and in Knoxville. We're going around the league. We're giving you a couple of SEC previews because football season is getting closer. Can you believe it, guys? 25 days away from when Auburn takes on Mercer from inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. 25 days away from football in the SEC. Hey, Colby Wood in amount of days, yes. as uh, we said before. But, yeah, very excited about it. Um, even though we – I don't want to say we belittle, but even though we kind of gloss over some of these non-conference games, they're still way better than no games. Uh, still, even if Auburn pounds Mercer 62-3 or scares everybody and beats them like 38-21, to uh, is going to be good to see – the, the team back out there again big picture wise that really starts week three but uh just to get look you value these um and perceptions change based off these not even these non-conference games and, and their abilities to get in bowl games if you had to play um you know 10 game sec seasons every year with no with, with no non-conference games that would change your outlook of what a good record and good win total would change. It wouldn't necessarily be eight and two or nine and one. It would be seven and three and six and four. You hear now six and seven win seasons are completely unacceptable because you know you've got a couple of easy non-conference games baked into that. But if you played all you know SEC schedules, you would you would be thrilled with above 500 performance because, heck, when you go 8-4 and four a lot of times right now, you finish in the top 25, you probably went either 4-4 four and four or 5-3 and three in the SEC. You didn't lose more than one uh, non-conference game. So, look, these non-conference games that Auburn will, in theory, win easily – Look, just cherish them. They're all, it's one of only 12 to 14, depending on what the team does. Uh, and we know it won't be 14 in all likelihood this year. Uh, so it, you don't get a lot of these. And it, it, something that maybe, I mean, people will sound like this is the most captain obvious thing ever. But when we think about sports, you get far less football than you get in the other major sports. Like, like there's like too much baseball. 
Uh, when we talk about Major League Baseball and there's 162 games, it's hard to keep up with all that. If you care about any other sport, if you only like baseball, fine. But there are so many games that you just go, eh. And, and, and so there are so many options to watch that. Basketball, same way. I love the NBA, and I do not want to see less games. And for the record, I don't want Major League Baseball less games either. But NBA, there's 82 opportunities to watch your favorite player, your favorite team, to watch if you're an Auburn fan, to watch what Jabari Smith does in Houston, to watch what Isaac Okoro continues to do in Cleveland, to see if Chumo Kiki can get the ship righted in Orlando. So many opportunities for that. And football, you can count them on your hands and toes, how many opportunities you get to see. And it's not like you get eight-hour games. It's not like the the time is made up. We're talking still three, three-and-a-half-hour events, like we're talking about three, three-and-a-half-hour baseball games or two-and-a-half-hour basketball games. So, again, that's why there's so much talking done because you look forward to something that is so fleeting and that it is just so few compared to the other sports. By the way, it's also why there's so much money in it because that one thing is so important and you don't get a lot of redos. No <laughs> you, doubt. You lose a couple games, you're out of the playoff. You you lose a couple games to your rivals, you might be out of a job. You lose more than a couple games, you don't even make any bowl games. So you, you the pressure is always on in the sport. And so I guess this is just my one kind of soliloquy at saying – Although we gloss over the non-conference games in favor of the Penn State game or in favor of, of course, the eight SEC games. Heck, we even gloss over Missouri in some respects and, and focus on the other seven. Look, these games matter too. There are opportunities to come see your favorite thing on in, in the sports world. And for some people, just their favorite thing on planet Earth is Auburn football or, or Alabama football or whatever it is. And so it's very exciting, no matter who it's against, that we are, like you said, 25 days away. And for those teams playing in week zero, 18 days away. Again, there's a handful of Power 5 teams. There is a Big Ten game. Not not like a Big Ten team, like a Big Ten conference game on week zero. So this will be all started very soon. And we can stop speculating and talking about how Vegas has done this team or this team wrong. We'll go see how it plays out for itself. Plus, when you get, you know, going off of that, when you get some of the, you know, the smaller games, it, it one, it, you know, it gives the football player, you know, the players a break a little bit where you don't have to go play, you know, LSU and Alabama's and Georgia's t- 10 times a year. You can have, you know, you have, have a competitive football game against someone that you should be able to beat. Two, and I know, you know, this is, you know, you think some people think, oh, why do we care? But you're helping funding some of these smaller programs, Mercer and Western Kentucky and San Jose State coming into Auburn this year. You know, the three smaller non-conference games, they're getting paid to come here. That's helping their football program grow, which grows the sport of college football. And then three, you look at, you know, some of these games. I've pulled up StubHub. It's more of a chance to bring the family out to football games. You look at the StubHub prices right now. Uh, Mercer, you can get tickets for 16 bucks. San Jose State, 13 bucks. You want to bring the family to the Penn State football game? Well, each ticket's going to cost you $260, cheapest on StubHub right now for resale if you don't already uh, over, have them. Over 1,000% more expensive. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you go through the rest of the SEC. You're still hitting, you know, 45 46 for Missouri-Arkansas, $100 for LSU. 
LSU, $90 for Texas A&M, and then 11 bucks for the Western Kentucky game. So some of these non-conference games, it, it's a chance to bring the family out to see Auburn football because not everybody can afford to go to the big-time football games because that's how, you know, it's a big-time industry. You keep It keeps growing. Tickets keep, keep getting more and more expensive. Uh, and it, it still you still have some of these games, the Mercers, the San Jose States, Western Kentuckys, that you can reasonably get tickets and bring the whole family out to see uh, the you know to raise the new generation of football fans. It's almost here. It's almost here. You want to find any way to want whether that's going to the games, watching them on TV, listening on the radio, even yeah. Auburn football on WQSI FM Talk ninety three point nine. Andy Burcham and Stan White will be there. We'll take a quick timeout. Our show continues in a moment. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. This is Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. All right, our SEC previews continue. The Tennessee Volunteers. What a fun season they've got coming up for folks on Rocky Top. Again, the second year of Josh Heupel. Hendon Hooker finished in the top three in terms of all SEC quarterbacks. Cedric Tillman, one of the top wide receivers in the entire country, much less the Southeastern Conference. A lot of skill guys. Last season, Hendon Hooker at that quarterback spot for Tennessee. 31 touchdowns. Three interceptions. Pretty amazing stuff from him. What will Tennessee look like here this upcoming season? I pose that question to you, Mr. Brooks Childress. Uh, orange and white. That's what they'll look like this season. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so seven and six last year uh, going into uh, 2022, returning eight offensive starters, seven defensive starters. It's a very veteran team. I, I, I know there's a lot of hype around the Tennessee team this year. You look at the offensive side of the ball, um, you've got their two leading rushers uh, are coming back in, in Jabari Small and, of course, Hendon Hooker. Uh, you've got your two leading passers coming back on the uh, from the quarterback side with Hendon Hooker, Joe Milton, and you've got your, as you mentioned, uh, J.J. Cedric Tillman coming back, the leading receiver. You've got a lot of weapons on that offense. You've got a lot of returning weapons on that offense. 
it, it's going to look like a really, really good football team. Um, I don't know if it's good enough to win the East right now because, you know, you still have this thing called Georgia Bulldogs who are coming off a national title. But they've got a real chance to uh, make some noise and possibly finish second in the East. Uh, you look at the their schedule to start off with, I could, you could see a real possibility that this Tennessee Volunteer team is going into the that October 15th, third Saturday in October game against Alabama undefeated. Because you've got Ball State, you're at Pittsburgh, you've got Akron, Florida and then at LSU and those two SEC schools the Florida and LSU you don't know what you're going to get out of them this year you've already got people in Florida calling for uh, you know um uh, Billy Napier to, you know, step down or not step down, but n- calling for maybe we need to needed to look somewhere else. Uh, LSU, you don't know what they're going to do. Brian Kelly's in, uh, just starting and rebuild there, and it's going to be it, it may be a couple year rebuild in, in LSU. But uh, you know, Brian Kelly, you saw him rebuild Notre Dame, you saw him build up Cincinnati. He can do the job if if LSU gives him time, but that could still be a year or two away. And you just the other team there that could give him a challenge is Pittsburgh. You just don't know what they're going to look like without Kenny Pickett at quarterback this year and losing one of their top wide receivers to USC this past offseason. So there's a real possibility you go into that Alabama game undefeated and you get them at home, which is a really, really big uh, positive for Tennessee. Um, what you don't like to hear is Nick Saban saying that this past year was a rebuilding year for Alabama. That's what you don't want to hear if you're Tennessee. Um, but this could be one of the best chances. And Tennessee's had some chances over the past few seasons to beat Alabama and knock them off. But it's just been one or two things that have messed them up and, and during the game that have that have taken them out of contention for that. And this could be a, you know another year that they are in contention that they could finally get that win over Nick Saban in Alabama. I don't know if it'll happen. I'm not. I'm not going to predict it right now because we're still you know we i'm two months out we're we're over two months away from that game and then you got ut martin kentucky georgia missouri south carolina and vanderbilt and you know it the way you would think this tennessee uh, team ends up or the way you know you're looking at it they could win all of those games except maybe the georgia games so you could very much see this team finishing that with a 10 and 2 record and you know on the and sniffing that uh you know a potential playoff spot if you know if you had an extended playoff problem maybe a new year six game if all goes well i think on the other end of that you could also uh i think the floor probably is eight wins i think the the ceiling right now for this tennessee team is 10 wins i think the floor would be eight wins going into this year and you you know you slip up against maybe uh, a kentucky and a uh, and an lsu or a florida or someone else grabs you maybe a south carolina upsets you because you got to go on the road to south carolina but i think this tennessee team's got a lot of good potential uh and especially on that offensive side of the ball they got a lot of returning guys that can make some uh, big plays Tennessee football went 7-5 and five in the regular season last year. They lost an amazing Music City Bowl against Purdue. Uh, Purdue won that game in overtime, 48-45. So final record for Tennessee last season was 7-6. and six. Again, quarterbacks coming back in the second year of Josh Heupel coming up. Yeah, no, I think that this team reminds me kind of a little bit of, of Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin in its first year. Uh, they had a really high-powered offense with a very poor defense. And anytime you're you're dealing with that and you're bringing your quarterback back and a lot of elements that made that 
offense good. You just don't worry about the offense. Their offense was quite good. It was top 10 in the country in scoring last year, and it was top 10 in the country in yards a game at 475 yards a game. So when I look at the defense, I'm going to make the – I mean, you could probably put on the tape of 2021 and just copy and paste my Ole Miss talk and just change the names, like awkwardly put Hendon Hooker in for Matt Corral and and all that. But – when Ole Miss got better last year, why did they get better? It's not because Matt Corral just played at a high level. It's not because their running game or anything Lane Kiffin was doing on the offensive side of the ball with Jeff Levy. It was that their atrocious defense from 2020, which was around 100th, 110th in the country, finished out in the 30s, 40s, or 50s somewhere last year. I'd have to go back and look look exactly where it finished. But it made, it made real strides, in other words. It didn't become a Georgia or Alabama-like defense or even LSU-like defense. It just got to the point where it was acceptable. And that's all you needed with the offense that they had. And, and so that was so big for them to get just, just to average. That's all you had to do with an offense that good. And so with Tennessee this year, um, when you talk about an offense, that's good. That's that good. And, yeah, I just looked it up. Ole Miss 51st last year. It's not going to wow people. But when you go from 100th or 110th to 51st, that is a real palpable improvement. And so for Tennessee, we have the same situation. I just told you about their top 10 in the country last year in, in, uh, in their points per game and in their total yards per game. They were actually pretty damn good at running the ball. And I I don't know if people realize that. Again, similar to Ole Miss. You saw Corral. You saw the cool things that Lane Kiffin was doing, but you kind of didn't realize that Jerry Neely and Snoop Connor and Henry Parrish were, were really good running backs. Well, well, same thing with Tennessee. They do it by committee. Hendon Hooker is involved in the running game. They actually have a really good running game. But again, with this team, it is about for them – getting better defensively. And last year, this defense was not good. It it really was not good in any form or fashion. I mean, it, when you look at the, some of their stuff and, and some of how they graded out, uh, it was quite bad. And so what you're trying to get out of this defense is just get better. You don't have to be one of the top four or five defenses in the SEC even. You don't have to be a top 25 defense in the country. You are just trying to improve from what you were last year. And last year, Tennessee was 90th in the country in scoring defense. They gave up 29 points a game. They were 99th in total defense. Uh, Yeah, in yards per game. 422 yards a game. I'm saying get those numbers to where Ole Miss got them. Get them in the 40s. Get them in the 50s. And this is when the Tennessee team can win 10 games. Uh, maybe nine. I don't, I don't think they'll beat Georgia with Brooks. A lot of people think that they'll give Alabama a run in Knoxville. Now, I'm just sworn off of picking Tennessee to beat Alabama while Nick Saban is there. Amen. I do not think it will happen. But we all know that most years, even on national title years, Alabama is good for one conference loss. One game in the regular season – there's only a couple of times Bama has gone perfect. And people are looking at that I think Bama's got three road games of interest, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. And so, again, you look at each individual game, and I'll give you plenty of reasons why Alabama should win all those games. But 
they get upset usually once in a blue moon. And you kind of target road games and you target some of these teams, all of which should have pretty good offenses that can at least disrupt what Nick Saban and Alabama try and do defensively. And so I'm just just throwing it out there that Tennessee is on that short list of teams that if, if lightning strikes, it could be with Tennessee. But overall, obviously, Alabama is still better, still more talented. Um, so you're looking probably Probably at like ten and two, nine and three. If you're Tennessee, and look, we've been on this wagon before with different coaches. You name the coach. There's been a time where Tennessee's supposed to be a ten win team, and they fell miserably short of it. But I don't know. I I I, I guess I can just see. I don't think it's luck. Was what I'm saying. I don't think it's luck that they're getting better. I, I see the success. I see the excitement around the offense. Um, if this team is healthy, which you can say about every team, I think they'll be a great offense. And again, you just have to get markedly better. I think Brooks, you said seven defensive starters back for Tennessee. So you've got experience there. If those guys just get a little better, again, you just have to get into the middle of the pack in the country. This team will will, will be pretty impressive this year. Because like we're saying, the offense is going to be there. Tennessee is going to be able to score some points. We're going to hear Rocky Top played there at Neyland Stadium because they're scoring points. Uh, you're going to hear it even if they weren't scoring points because they want you to hear Rocky Top. Yeah, uh, yes. as, as, as very you much so. But yeah. uh, they'll be much more excited to talk about uh, good old Rocky Top with Tennessee scoring more points. And I do want to also mention, I want to piggyback off of, off of Brooks, uh, what he was talking about, about the potential 5-0 and start. I, I feel like I can do this with like five or six teams in the league, and that's that can kind of get tricky because you, you say it every year about every team and paper says this, and then it never plays out that way. But I agree that in theory, Tennessee could get that 5-0 and start. Pittsburgh, while it's a road game, uh, they're not going to be the same that they were last year. I, I think they're going to go back to being a seven-win team or so. Uh, obviously, nothing about Ball State or Akron. Sorry, Austin Scott should scare Tennessee. Poor Joe Moorhead. You host Florida, so you feel good about that. Florida and LSU are big programs, but they're going through turnover. They're going through seasons last year where they were not good at even close to their standards. They're go- they have new head coaches, and you play them in the first half of the season. And so even that at LSU game, I've talked about this last week with Brant on the show, that I feel really good about playing LSU in the first half of the season because there's just so many unknowns. Now, maybe in the second half of the season, LSU is completely different. But you still play them, what, five weeks in? I guess they have a bye week before LSU. So even a bye week before LSU to help you get ready, you play them about five, six weeks into the season. And in theory, what paper says is on paper, Tennessee has a real shot at 5-0 and the start of the year. We'll see if they can make it happen. All right, let's take a phone call again. Coming up here in just a little bit, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer will be a guest on our program as we go to the phone lines, 334-887-3401. Joining us now on today's program is... Tony from Tuskegee. Tony has called into today's radio show. Hi, Tony. Hey, how y'all doing? Great. How are you today, sir? All right. I awesome. Y'all sitting up talking about uh, Alabama, but this may be the best defense Alabama ever had. This will be the first time they could put three consensus pass rushes on the field at one time. That's uh, Dallas Turner. Dallas Turner finished the second half of the season up better than Will Anderson. He came in when when Sanders got hurt, the guy that transferred and went to um, Arkansas. 
then you got Chris Braswell. But then you also got the uh, 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 offensive quarterback back, Henry Toto. But all being said, if Eli Ricks pan out, it transferred from uh, LSU and if um, Kool-Aid McKinstry, if he's that's the one that helped beat Auburn when he knocked that ball down in, in uh, overtime. But if he pan out to be the five-star he's supposed to be, I see Alabama probably giving up 20 points, less than probably 15 points a game. I think the Bama defense is going to be elite. I, I really think that uh, this will be the best defense they've had at Alabama. This none of us are going to argue with that, area. Tony. Yeah, we certainly do agree. Uh, I think that defense is going to uh, be scary good. Yeah, yeah. thanks, and you all have a good one. Hey, same to you, buddy. That's a good phone call right there from our buddy Tony from Tuskegee. Oh, yeah. they. I mean, they, they gave up 20 a game last year, which was very uncharacteristic for them. I, I think they can do better than that. Pete Golding, the continuity coming back there. Uh, look, Alabama will still be better than every team they're playing. I, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that that's happened every other year, too. Alabama's been better than the team they're playing, and sometimes it just it just happens. So I still think very highly this team, and he's right, they're going to have a, a really good defense, so it takes a really good offense to even bother a good a great defense like that. We need to take a quick timeout on the other side of this break. Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer will be a part of our show. That's coming up next here on Sports Gone. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, welcome back into Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM. And on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. 25 days away from the start of the Auburn football season 25 days away from being back inside Jordan Hare Stadium. That is where our next guest will be come September 3rd. He's the great Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Two weeks in a row, we've got Ferg on the program. This is starting to feel more like normal, isn't it, buddy? Oh, it's all your fault if I'm not. <laughs> I'm not the one who books the show. It typically is. That's fair. <laughs> oh man, here we are. Fall camp is uh, happening, and uh, you've been able to see tons of practice this week, and uh, a lot of interviews conducted, press conference settings, and that sort of thing. Let's start practice one on Friday. Seemed like the head football coach had a little bit of fun, Ferg, and uh, was tossing out T-shirts. Tell our listeners the story if they haven't heard this. Yeah, if you remember Hatgate last year where Brian Harson did the despicable evil of handing out, out hats to media members, um, he decided to have a callback to it. It was funny. It was the one-year anniversary of that incident. And I say incident very tongue-in-cheek. Um, 
he, and we he gave out t-shirts. I basically said to the effect of like, hey, I went to Auburn football practice, and the only thing I got was this t-shirt, um, which, you know, he got. It was his idea. He got Dana Marquez, the great uh, equipment manager for Auburn, to uh, make up those shirts and uh, handed them out to anybody who was at practice uh, covering it. And then a few of us wore them on Saturday uh, morning for the second practice. So it's, it's, it's good. It's a nice shirt, by the way. It's a real real comfortable quality. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I like that you guys got together and decided, you know what? We need to wear this. we got to yep. show our appreciation. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it was pretty funny. Um, I like, you know, Harson's got a pretty good sense of humor uh, when he shows it. So I, I, it's pretty it's, between that and Tank Bigsby. Um, wearing the Def Leppard shirt without knowing Def Leppard uh, is in the like top moments of camp so far for me. Did Harson acknowledge in any way the shirt being handed out, or was it just like I don't need to say anything? You guys know what's up. No, so he so he came over and he said, "Hey, we don't have hats for you this year, but Dana's got something." And then we turned around and it was shirts. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it was definitely all him. That's awesome. Uh, also, uh, you know, we've, we've been able to talk about this quarterback battle a good bit, and now we've been able to see the quarterbacks in action at practice. Everybody's healthy. I know they're splitting it up with uh, some newcomer practices and that sort of thing, is which where you're seeing Robbie Ashford and Holden Gurner. But let's talk QBs, Ferg. Anything stand out from these first few days? Well, I mean, today's practice was back to a full squad again. It was okay. really interesting. This is I wrote about this in The Observer. You can check it out. Uh, you know, on the website. The most important thing you have to say about this is like, look, we're getting a ton of access, right? We're getting, this is more practice access than I've ever gotten during my time at Auburn. Um, and it, but it's about a half hour of a two hour practice. So what we see and what we report and what we're able to video and all that, it's a chunk. It's a good chunk, but it's just a chunk. So case in point, today we're watching practice. Quarterbacks are working with wide receivers. And really, it was rough. You know, T.J. Finley had some good throws that he was the most consistent. Robbie Ashford and Zach Alzada, frankly, struggled with their accuracy. Auburn had a ton of drops from their receivers as well. It did not look good in the passing game. You can tell Harson was getting frustrated at it. We get done with practice. We talk to Brian Harson after practice, and he goes, you know what, I think today was our most consistent day yet from our quarterback. So they made some really good plays and really good throws. Keep in mind, that's the thing. It's like we only get to see a chunk of this. So when, you know, I think all the quarterbacks for Auburn have had highs and lows. You know, Robbie Ashford watched him today when we were out there, didn't didn't really have it. But Sunday, he was the, he was the top uh, performer, top offensive player at practice that day, won the award for, for player of the day on offense. Um, Brian, Brian Harson raving about how he's gotten to be a better decision maker uh, in this offense. Zach Calzada's made some beautiful throws and had some really good uh, performances in camp. T.J. Finley is really handling himself like a leader and like a guy who's going to stay as the number one quarterback, uh, you know, in his mind. So it's all good. There's all some good things and there's some there's some not so good things you got to build from. That's camp. That's college football players. That's you know you're, we're a few days into it. They got to get consistent, and I think the guy who becomes more consistent and the one that you know the offense looks best with is going to end up winning this job, but it's still early, right? You know, they have a big scrimmage Saturday night in Jordan-Hare. I think you can see some separation maybe starting to develop after that, but, like, they're not in this just gigantic rush to know who the starter is because they still got plenty of time, uh, and I think all these quarterbacks have done enough to show that they deserve to be in the battle, uh, but none of them have just said, hey, you know, separated themselves in the pack and, like, this is clearly their job. I think it's still very even. 
Justin Ferguson is our guest. Again, make sure you check out the Auburn Observer and follow him on Twitter, at JFergusonAU. I want to talk about some of the players that you've gotten a chance to chat with, and you mentioned one of them a moment ago. To be honest, Ferg, I have struggled in life to find many ways in which I am similar to Tank Bigsby, uh, but not knowing a Def Leppard song would probably be one of those very, very, very few things in which we're similar. I know that does not surprise you one bit, though. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, I don't blame you, really. You know, I think some people will be like, ah, I mean, you know, like, you've probably heard some songs that are Def Leppard songs. Oh, yeah. You don't know that they're Def Leppard songs, right? You're like, I mean, they were famous way before you were born, and they were famous for way, way before I was born. Like, you know, Tank Bigsby's the same way. Like, there's no, really. I, mean, <laughs> he just, I think he just liked the t-shirt. Right. And, you know. It was a sick t-shirt. Wearing, wearing t-shirts of bands and, and artists that they don't know, that's been going on since the dawn of time. Yeah. So, I mean, I think... I think it's uh, we can give him a pass there on that one. No kidding. Well, with that being said, uh, let's talk about some of the other players that you've heard from. What's been something cool that uh, has been discussed or, or that you've heard in conversation with some of these Auburn football players? I mean, today, listening to Donovan Kaufman was great. Uh, Kaufman is he got a really good personality. Uh, he's fun to talk to. We haven't had a ton of times to, to talk with him, but he was he was talking about just. You know, he's like, it's weird. Last year I was this new guy and I had to step up and felt like he was kind of behind. And, and this year he's a leader. Like, he is one of the top safeties. They're looking at him as a veteran presence. And so he, he was talking about making that switch has been really interesting. And, but, you know, somebody asked me, felt like he needed to kind of prove himself to some new coaches and, a, you know, new, new defensive coordinator this year. And he said, look, I'm a 5'9 defensive back playing in the SEC. I'm constantly trying to prove myself to other people. So uh, it's just really good insight from him. He's a, he's a great great guy to talk to. Uh, Luke Deal was also up today. I okay. tell you, everybody needs to have a friend like Luke Deal. The man will make you sound like an all-pro no matter who he was talking about. He really hyping up a lot of his teammates, um, You know, giving, giving a ton of praise to a lot of different guys. And it's just you know, really cool to hear. You know, a guy that, you know, is, is very kind of team first. And, uh, you know, great hype man. Great hype man for all of those guys on the team. Uh, Colby Wooden was, was one of the guys we talked to earlier in camp. He's great every single time uh, we hear from him. So it's, it's been good. It's been a lot of good uh, interviews. And we'll have more throughout the week. I mean, these next two days are, are assistant coach days. So we get all the position coaches on offense uh, tomorrow. And then we get defense on Thursday. So there's going to be a lot of people to talk to and a lot of inside to be gain from all this access we're getting as you talked about Ferg I, I know it's a good bit of a, a good chunk of time but like when we when you have a quarterback battle like this like is it hard to like stop yourself for a moment and be like you know what there's other positions on this team and I'm going to look at those too while, while you're out here or is it just so tempting because I know they did uh, a lot of different stuff and as you've seen the as you said the access is is ramped up this year I, like I, I imagine like do you have to like set goals and like say okay today I'm looking at this this and this tomorrow I'm going to look at this this and this yeah I tried to I mean today I didn't plan going in like saying like you know what I'm going to talk just to, you know, I'm going to watch just the quarterbacks say. The quarterbacks start with the running backs, they work with the wide receivers, they work with the tight ends. So you got to see all of those with it. But Brian Harson was with the quarterbacks the entire time we were out there. I knew we were talking to Brian later in the day. So that was something that I wanted to do. I was like, okay, well, let's just follow what Harson's doing. And he was with the quarterback. Tomorrow when we have practice, I'll probably look more on the defense. I'll probably look more on the offensive line. Uh, but today was a good day to kind of just keep track of the quarterbacks because uh, they were doing a ton. And uh, it was a lot of focus on it, um, you know, from what from what we saw, and then obviously what we heard from Harson and, and the guys afterwards. 
uh, Justin, you mentioned it there that you're going to take a look at the offensive line. I, I want to get what, what you've been hearing about the offensive line so far through this first few practices before you see them firsthand tomorrow. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've, I've watched them a little bit, and it's just kind of like, you know, I, I really – it sounds like a cop-out, but I, like, really don't know how much we're going to learn about the offensive line here in camp. You know, I think it's one of the things where it's like when you have so many guys coming back and we've seen them play before um, and we've seen them play together before, it's like, okay, well, how much better can they actually be? You know, how much more are we going to actually learn until they start playing guys that aren't, you know, their teammates, right, when they get out of practice for them. So, it's interesting. I think the couple of things about the offensive line that – that are fascinating right now in camp is Cam Stutz, a guy that really has a good chance to be a, a starter. I mean, he's in the mix with the first team at guard. That's really interesting. Uh, is Brandon Council back to 100% is the other one for me because like when Council's healthy, Auburn's offensive line is better. That's been the case in the last two seasons. When he's been hurt, there's been a big difference in, in the play of Auburn's offensive line. So those are kind of the two things you, you have to watch uh, for, you know, hearing good things about Killian Zire. You know, kind of trying to lock down that left tackle spot. There's been some mixing and matching, but today Brian Harson said, you know what, they're not trying to rotate as much, not trying to move guys around quite as much at this point. And more of like, hey, we just need to find what our best five is and lock them in at that point. So, uh, you know, like I said, I don't know how much you're going to learn about Auburn's offensive line at fall camps because there's a lot of familiar faces and, you know, a lot of like, you know, we hear hype about the offensive line every year. Oh, they're going to be better this year. They're going to be better this year. I think no Auburn fan out there wants to hear that as much as they just want to actually see it. Honestly, it's a week three when they play in Penn State. You might not get a good measurement of that. So, you know, not trying to cop out, not trying to, like, say, like, you can't really learn anything from the offensive line. But there is a kind of a tendency where it's like, all right, whatever you do get in fall camp, it's different than these other positions that have a lot of new guys or new faces that are getting to contribute. This offensive line is going to be fairly similar to what we saw last season. They just got to play better. And Justin, got to ask you about uh, Auburn basketball and them wrapping up their Israel tour. Obviously, uh, we're not able to beat the Israel national team full of grown men, as we should note, uh, on Monday. But it was a close game. And then obviously played the Israel Israeli select team on Sunday and, and played incredibly well against that. What are your takeaways from, from, in particular, some of these younger guys? I mean, we know some of the known commodities on this team. But uh, any improvements for those guys, and, and specifically uh, guys like Chance Westry and Yohan Treor, and just all these young, uh, these new guys that Auburn's got, and how they look to you. Well, Janai Broom played well in all three games against anybody. Like he had nineteen and nine, four steals and three blocks against the national team, against the senior national team. Like he played just as well against grown men as he did against eighteen-year-olds, and like that, that shows something. The consistency is there from a newcomer. I thought he looked really good. I think you know it'll be, he he's got the tools to be a great. Uh, defender, uh, and obviously he, he showed some of that. Uh, you know, Moorhead State and some of that on the tour. I'll be interested to see how he kind of continues to kind of adjust to this level. You know, obviously when they get you know tougher competition moving forward. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing. You know, he might not be quite the same level of defender Walker Kessler is, but man, he's a great scorer. He's going to provide you even more as kind of an inside threat. He's got really good footwork, nice baby hook, uh, and crashes the glass very well. So. Very impressed with Janai Broom. And then, like, yesterday you saw, you know, uh, Yohan Traor and Chance Westry and Trey Donaldson. They had their moments. But against really, really good grown men, like, not as consistent as they were in the first two games, and that's going to come. Like, they're, 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 they're true freshmen. They're, you know, they're still trying to, you know, make it on this team and kind of, um, you know, plug into the system and all that. So, yeah, no, I think, I think all three of those guys showed flashes 
Uh, Treyarch looked really, really good at times, um, especially in those first couple of games. Chance Westry looked awesome in the first two games, but step up in classification, you know, competition, things got a little tougher for them. They weren't quite as impactful. That's to be expected. They're true freshmen. I think they're going to learn from it more than anything. And then, uh, you know, on top of that, I think you have to be really impressed with what Wendell Green Jr. did at point guard uh, these, these few days um, that they were on tour together. I thought, you know, Dylan Carwell looked good at spurts. Um, Katie Johnson showed some improvement in some areas. Alan Flanagan still trying to find that consistency, but there were flashes from him as well. So, really, really good tour from Auburn. A lot of learning and a lot of improvement they showed, and they'll continue to build on it for these next couple of weeks. Three games in August for Auburn basketball. Pretty awesome that that was able to take place. Again, our guest right now, Justin Ferguson, with the Auburn Observer. And uh, i got to give Ferg his credit because if you were right now to go on the Internet and try to find box scores from these games versus Israel, that's like an impossible task almost. But if you subscribe to the Auburn Observer and the observations, Ferg, I was able to find those box scores. And for that, I'm greatly appreciative. So let me give you your flowers on that. That, my friend, because that was elite stuff. Well, I have to I have to shout out Marlene for that. They were sending them in the email, so yeah, there is value in you know being local media, right? I would say, and, and actually covering this team full time. Uh, so yeah, you know, a lot of people really uh, I thought were very interested in, in the observations and our podcast about uh, the basketball tour. You know, if football is going to take the focus here for the next couple months, we're going to continue to have a lot of basketball stuff uh, still up on the site because. Uh, like I wrote yesterday, I think the hype around this team is going to be really justified. Um, you know, they're going to be very different, I think, in some areas than they were last year. Replacing Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler is a huge task. I like the makeup of this team. I like their depth. I like their experience, and I really love their versatility. So they're going to go about in a different way than they did last year. But I think Auburn's got a real contender on their hands. I can't wait. And look, I got to give some of the other local media outlets chose not to publish a box score, and Ferg did. So that's why he's great. Six dollars well, a month. Also, that's also because I'm lazy, and I can just I can just embed an image in there and say, "Here, have the whole thing." That's what you should do. Out. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year for all the best coverage in the world. What's the next I, movie in theaters that you want to see? Okay. Well, I, I, before you do that, I want to I want to make something clear. You just said you just gave the pitch for the website, right? Yeah. Six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. Let me tell you right now, throughout fall camp, it's not sixty dollars a year. We're doing forty five dollars a year if you sign up. No um, way. Our first year, yep, twenty five percent off if you sign up at any point during fall camp. So go to the website. It's the cheapest price we've ever offered. We just want people to sign up, and because there's gonna be a lot of football, and then like I said, even some more basketball stuff coming forward. So. Forty-five dollars a month if you go to AuburnObserver.com. Uh, Outstanding. Next thing you want to see in theaters. Uh, so a few of the people on the beat went and saw Bullet Train over the weekend. Uh, I could not. I was out of town. I was about to say, did they so invite I you? Guess it's probably going to be Bullet Train, probably. Okay. Um, you know, there's there's some interesting trailers I've seen recently. I watched uh, I watched a movie uh, here not too long ago, uh, last week actually, before camp started. A movie called Vengeance, uh, which has uh, you know, it has Ryan from The Office. He wrote and directed and starred in it. Uh, pretty good. Uh, not a movie that was on my radar until I was just kind of scrolling around one day. So check it out. It's a pretty good little, like, kind of mystery, kind of dark comedy. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot. But, yeah, Bullet, Bullet Train is probably going to be next for me. I'm, I'm interested to see what that's like. Can't wait. Uh, I'll have to check it out as well. I'm actually uh, trying to improve my movie knowledge these days, Ferg. So there that, you go. That, you know, yeah, yeah. You just you just need to get a better cultural diet. That's what I'm trying to provide a lot of people. Yeah, and you <laughs> make, certainly make them, you do make that. Them a little more sophisticated. Hang out with Ryan more. He'll <laughs> he'll, he'll get you in the right direction. <laughs> 
I've been I I want to see Bullet Train as well for that's the next one up. Just saw Nope. Uh, I know you're not as yeah, big oh, into yeah, horror. Nope was incredible. Okay, you did watch. Okay, I thought yeah. you weren't big into horror, but we do the Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. I, we did love us. Is, like Get Out's one of my favorite movies of the last decade. Um, yeah. That's the that you know. That's about my limit in terms of horror. Sure. You know, it's very you know there and there's a few scenes in, in Nope that really got me, but um, no, really good, uh, awesome, awesome, kind of almost like a Spielberg type of uh, type of horror movie, which I which I really enjoyed. I thought Nope was fantastic. Get out of here, Ferg. You've been great yeah. with your time today. We really do appreciate it. Give me the special offer one more time. 25% off. What's the offer? Yeah, $45 for your first year at the Observer if you sign up anytime between now and week one of the college football season. So get in there. You don't need a special code. You don't need a special link. Just go to AuburnObserver.com. When you try to subscribe, it'll give you that introductory offer. Um, and like I said, we're going to do that for the next couple of weeks. A lot of people already jump on board. If you've wanted to get a subscription or you've thought about it, this is the time to do it uh, because it's, it's the cheapest it's ever been. We got rained out last week for the Thunder Chicken, so we're going to try and go play that 1-8 and eight team as the 0-9 squad tonight and pick up that victory. Single digits. Single digits. That's oh. our goal. That's our yep. goal. All right, Ferg, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Yep. That's Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer. A good old yep to get us out of the hey, phone that's call. Made, that's great. made you laugh. That's an before, efficient yeah. man. I like that. I love that guy. He's outstanding. And a good opportunity for you to support what he's got going on over there at the Auburn Observer. Check out all the great coverage. And those podcasts are really entertaining as well. I think you would enjoy listening to those. That brings us to the end of the second hour of Sports Call today. Coming up in hour number three, We'll have a nightly TV guide, of course. Uh, We also have our Arkansas 2022 SEC football preview. Woo, pig suey. If I knew what a Razorback noise was, I would do that. Pulaski County. (laughs) I would do that. All right, that's it for this hour. Alongside Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy, my name is JJ Jackson. Two hours of the Bucks, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson from inside the studios with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. We hope that you're doing well on this Tuesday. 
been a fun show so far. We've been able to accomplish a lot, and we've still got a lot to go here in the final hour of the program. We'll talk a little Arkansas football, got a nightly TV guide at the very end of the show, and more. So tons to do here in the final hour of Sports Call on this Tuesday. For now, let's give you this. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? Daily Show Recap. Brooks, what's happened so far on today's show? Uh, We've had some good calls on the show today. We've also talked to some great guests. Ben Ingram from the Braves Radio Network rejoined us. Uh, He's been on several times. Voice of the Atlanta Braves. One of the voices of the Atlanta Braves. uh, As they get ready to start a two-game series tonight up in Baston against the Red Sox. So, got some updates on the Braves there. Also talked to Justin Ferguson, our good friend from the Auburn Observer. Told us about the new deal that they've got going on at the Auburn Observer. Gave us some highlights of practice over the first... Not quite weak into fall camp. We've had a few practices, though, and uh, gave us some impressions that he's had so far. And we've also given you a Tennessee uh, preview of the season. We started our college football SEC previews. We started yesterday with Missouri and Vanderbilt, and continuing that today, we had some Tennessee, and we still got another one to go coming up on the show. Sports Call can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android and tap the menu icon at the top left. Tap Skills and Games in the menu and search for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill, then tap Enable to Use. You're done. All you have to do now is say, hey, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn, and you're listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We've got Arkansas still to go. Tomorrow, we'll talk about the Mississippi State Bulldogs and the South Carolina Gamecocks. Got a couple of guests coming up on tomorrow's show as well. At 3.30 tomorrow, we will chat with Bo Estes from NBA.com and NBA TV. At 4.30, we will chat with our buddy Hale McGranahan. We'll come back on Sports Call from South Carolina's 24-7 Sports website. He'll assist us in the Gamecock preview. He's been on the program before. Do a lot of work behind the scenes Absolutely. to make these conversations happen, fellas. You booked the show. Fern <laughs> got it right. You booked the show. Yeah. Um, and and that's used its humor, but also again, as I said last week, it's like if you ever you ever go through the guests and say, "Hey, that's a pretty good lineup of guests." That, that was JJ. That was one hundred percent JJ. So, uh, yeah, that uh, that'll be interesting. We'll make this announcement one week from today. One week from today, a man by the name of Kyle Petty. Uh, the former NASCAR driver will be on our show to promote his new book, Swerve or Die, and also talk about relevant NASCAR things. So uh, that's a really exciting guest that uh, we've got booked on the program. He's been making the media rounds lately. Yes. I saw him on a, a Marty and McGee was this past weekend. I think he stopped by the Dale Jr. Podcast uh, Company right. over the, uh, this past week. So his next big stop is Sports Call. I'm glad that we're in the company to, to be on the yeah. program, and, and they sent us a copy of the book today for us to flip through and uh, give it a read see how we like it uh and kyle petty on you know big big name in the nascar world he's going to join our show one week from today so that's that's pretty exciting um saw kevin harvick win the nascar race this past weekend up at michigan uh are we 15 out of 16 drivers in the playoff field, Ryan, have we reached that point? Yep, 15 and won a race. And Blaney is the last guy that needs to win, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Um, yeah, well, he needs to win. Um, 
him or Martin Truex Jr. Martin Truex Jr. is fourth in points this year. I was, would, okay, I was not, curious who was in the better standing He there. would not – or he was fourth at least coming in the last race, and he would not make the field. So that that's great. That's unheard of right. uh, even to this point because it's not necessarily unheard of that you know, 14 or 15 guys win in a regular season. I don't know what the record is. It's never ha- 16's never happened um, since doing this playoff format. But to not have fourth in points be one of those 15 so far – is unbelievable and then blaney's in the same boat obviously he's right up there too i think he's like third uh i think him and chastain are, are kind of swapping back and forth around second and third and uh it, it's cr- it's just crazy that guys that high are are not in position there and uh currently yep yeah, currently brooks has brought it up for me currently blaney is second and Ch- and and by the way truex is a point behind third and chastain and one of those guys right now would make play and by the way okay bubba Wa- bubba wallace was second at michigan if he wins or if someone down in the in the 20s or 15s like eric jones won neither would get in if they don't win because you have guys like Chase Briscoe and Austin Sendrick. I don't know if people realize this. Denny Hamlin's not been very good this year. He's had a lot of misfortune. He's been 17th in the standings this year. If you just did the top 16 in points, he wouldn't be in right now. So if any anybody in the top 30 that has not won, which there's 15 of them, if they win and Blaney and Trucks don't, they're out. Yeah. And that's actually really good news for the guys already in because they don't want to deal with guys that are top five in the points all season long. Uh, and, and the reason I say anyone can win is, okay, you have Richmond, a short track. Okay, that can cause some chaos. Watkins Glen, a road course? Yeah, chaos at road courses. And then the next week, Daytona? What's the one time a year you can make sense to move the Daytona summer race away from the 4th of July? The last regular season race so that anyone can win and everyone is nervous the entire time. That That's why it makes sense there. And so... It'll be really fun to talk Kyle Petty about that. I don't know if this was more of a Kyle Petty plug or, <laughs> or, or NASCAR is fun to me right now. Um, but Or we could do like our guests that we've had on the program. And it was just a few weeks ago, Ryan, where Bob Pachris was on the show. And you, you, you. asked... Paul, 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 Bob, Bob Pachris. I asked Paul about <laughs> you, Earnhardt, right? <laughs> Ryan, you were the one that asked Bob Pachris about could we see sixteen playoff spots, sixteen drivers win once we got into that setting? Because if people don't know, again, I didn't know a lick about NASCAR right. until the COVID shutdown and NASCAR is the only thing up and running. If you win a race, you qualify for the playoffs. How dare yes. you discount the Belarusian soccer So I just wanted Whoa. that to be pointed out. But you were the one that asked Bob Pachris right, that question a few the, weeks back. That's something that the fans ask each and every year. And we always kind of look like we're going to get there. Like we'll get maybe nine different winners in the first 10 or 11 races. And so it makes you wonder. But then those guys start to repeat. But – it's really not happened this year. Chase Elliott's won four times. No one's won three. And only a couple of guys have won twice. I mean, it is really something what's happened this year. And, I, you know, I, this is not, not the norm. I think, though, it speaks to the competitiveness of the car, that this is a new car this year. And the whole thing NASCAR said was, 
is we're gonna we're gonna supply the parts. You're not gonna make the parts and supply them. We're gonna make the parts. We're gonna give you the parts. And then what you do and the little iterations you have to them is up to you. But we're gonna give you the main parts. And why that's such a big deal is there's a lot less disparity on the potential of your team yet now sure over the course of this year yeah there's some back markers just like every year there's teams that not running well but it's not that they can't anymore in the past you didn't have the money if you weren't the big four or five teams to run well every week now everyone has similar resources so there's very little variance here in what can actually go on and sure the big teams have risen and they've been great and Hendrick Motorsports and Penske and Joe Gibbs all having fine seasons but you've seen Trackhouse with Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez be really as good as anybody I just said Chastain's third point Suarez has went has a win he's in you you've seen teams on non-restrictor plate tracks have really have cars capable of winning again 2311 with Bubba Wallace was second last week you seen Kurt Busch win a race in the 45 that's a newer team that's not guaranteed success we don't know what 2311 is supposed to be in NASCAR other than Michael Jordan Denny Hamlin and the owners we got a really cool owner from the NBA world the GOAT and the in the National Basketball Association and we got Denny Hamlin who's been a, a fabulous driver in NASCAR for a while we don't know if that team's going to be good or not uh, you even have a team uh, I mentioned Eric Jones for Petty. When Bubba Wallace ran that 43 car, he yes, was sir. not in the top 20. Um, Eric Jones is running that car, and he's 14th by points. Now, he's not one, so he's not getting in the playoffs if he doesn't win. But if you just did top 16 points, Eric Jones would be in. He's had a quality season. He's run well. So I say all this to say is NASCAR has brought in these parts to make it more competitive for these teams to try and interest more teams. College Racing has very competitive moments in their cars in the 16. Whether that's A.J. Allmendinger or Noah Gregson last week till he wrecked. He was in the top 10. So they've made it to where more teams feel like they can be competitive. Hopefully trying to grow the sport back up to 40 cars, 43 cars. So um, it's it's been really fascinating this year. But, but yeah, the 16 winners, that's something people have talked about for a long time. This new car, I think think is the biggest reason why we're, we're about to see that i may be great at booking guests but you're pretty great at the sports talk radio thing talking about a million different sports in one setting ryan Lavoie. i think the biggest thing for everton losing the chelsea one nil uh, <laughs> was just the lack of creative play i'm just kidding um, but thank you sir yeah and i'm that. great at naming al players or nl MVP uh, awards. <laughs> judge will win an mvp to be we, fair brooks yeah. judge will win an mvp we love you brooks and we love yeah. raheem sterling joining chelsea um how about this also juan soto played his first game for the padres on august 3rd after that major blockbuster trip since then, San Diego has lost five straight, been outscored by 21 runs, and not scored a run in their last 23 innings. Not Cut. ideal, Bob. baseball. <laughs> not ideal. They did play the Dodgers. They did play the Dodgers. That's Give it a it. break. They played the Dodgers. <laughs> They're going to be fine. They'll figure it out. It's funny for now, though. It is funny. Let's take a timeout. We're back with more Sports Call right after this. Tweeters. 
Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, welcome back into Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. J.J. Jackson here inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy. What a fun Tuesday show. We've got Thunder Chicken Softball ourselves a little bit later today. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we've got an Arkansas preview coming up in just a moment. But um, we've got some cluck up indeed. Go Thunder Chickens. We've got some breaking news to report. Some major breaking news that you need to know about right here on the program. All right, Papa John's has unveiled a crustless pizza bowl. Oh, this is one of the best ideas in pizza in the last decade. That is from Darren Rovell on Twitter, and I'm look. I I agree. I this is I love toppings. I love cheese. I love these pictures. Wow, wow! Papa John's unveils crustless. Pizza bowls. You it's can like, zoom in. I, but, it looks like but, pasta. But, but you know me. And I don't. Yes, I would love it, man. This is just terrible. You, you've. There's been legitimate breaking news on this program, and you haven't used that bumper. But someone this wants to hit you. That's you, driving around right now. <laughs> Darren Novell points out this maybe appeals to 10 percent of ordering population, but don't discount how that population affects whether or not they order online slash dine there. Yeah, I mean. Let's go. That's exciting. This that is, is just, really exciting. It's just like <sighs> random stuff thrown into a bowl. It's not even like a burrito bowl or something. Bon, this Papa is exciting. Jo- Papa John's is my favorite pizza place. As it should be. And it's because of pizza. Yeah, pizza place. Pizza. Pizza. The circular thing. Pizza. doesn't have to be circular, but in this case, the circular thing. With a crust. With a crust. With cheese. Sometimes Tomato sauce. You put pepperoni, mushroom, ham, whatever the meats, whatever the hell you want to put on it. Yeah. That's what I like. You made a good point. And I eat the crust, and I realize most or a lot of people don't, and that's fine, but... I don't think this is going to create this new... If you are... I think this is a sign Papa John's is struggling. I'm worried about them. I don't know what's going on here. This That's is not exciting. That's breaking news is that they're struggling then. What's the difference in this and stuffed crust? Why did you not have this type of reaction to stuffed crust? Because it was more in line with the pizza. It was still pizza. This is not pizza. Crust was on it. It was a more enjoyable crust. This it was a it was a good thing. This should not. Be so you support stuffed crust? Sure, I don't get it very often, but it's fine. Th- this Would should... you eat the stuffed crust? Yeah. This okay. is a toppings bowl. This is not a crustless pizza. It's a toppings <laughs> bowl. I think it's pretty great. Do they have the? I want. Do they have the sauce in there with it? That'd kind of get messy. It's, is, is that called lasagna? This is yeah. this is just this is not pizza. I don't care. It's not pizza. Not. 
Well, huh. what if they want to do other things then? Will I try it? They're Maybe. allowed to, but they're allowed to, obviously. But to call it, and I quote, one of the best ideas in pizza in the last decade is blasphemy. Well, how many ideas is, have there been in pizza? True. How many ideas of pizza have there been in the last okay, decade? Stuff crust for one. one. Okay, stuff crust for one. Even Papa John's did one, and I'm not saying this is a great idea, but they did the Papadilla, okay, which is kind of kind of like a taco, kind of like a calzone, kind of like a more like calzone. You're right, more but like it's calzone. It's just really just folded over. Even Pizza doing a different packaging and doing a big dinner box, and you put yeah. two pizzas within that box, and you put breadsticks and a dessert. Usually, Domino's didn't sticks. mind ordering like. I, I don't care. Like I, you can sit there with your your boyish smile and look at me like a goober and think this is awesome. It is. It's not. True it's or okay false. at best. True or false? Can you order wings from pizza places? Yes. yes. True. Everywhere. Okay. All of them. True or false? Can you order a salad from pizza places? Um, not everywhere, but most. Yeah. yeah okay. Some. All right. Yeah. I just wanted to see where we were at. All right. I'm right. You're wrong. Wow. Brooks, Am I gonna to, I'm right. You're wrong. What? I, all right. Actually, let, yeah, yes, let's I, uh, <laughs> I, I see the error of my ways. Let's I shall just, submit to you can now. Can we just be friends again? Let's do that. I'm okay. sorry that I said all right. that. Uh, because, we're totally, because we're totally off topic now at this point. One more thing in the same kind of vein. We saw earlier today as well, Chick-fil-A is going to yeah. try wings, right? Yeah. Tell folks the news here. Hold on. There it is. Hey, Arkansas comes up in a minute, but first, <laughs> Chick-fil-A is test marketing chicken wings. Woo! At a couple major cities. Did I see where did I see this? Was this Nashville that this is happening? I, did you, did, I, you, did, you, did the article say it, it's pretty big cities in the south. I want to say Atlanta's coming up second, but it was like ten, somewhere in Tennessee or Kentucky or somewhere was starting the wings first. And I'll tell you what. If you give me the option to get chicken wings too, whoa. I already eat Chick-fil-A a lot. I don't probably eat as enough as I want to anymore. I eat it like once every couple weeks. I really want to eat it every week. Brooks doesn't go with me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I I really think that this could be like multiple times a week now. If the because like I'm not even under I'm not even operating under the pretense that if they're good it's Chick Fil A if they're gonna put a chicken product out there it's gonna be good if it involves their chicken now I heard some people maybe you know don't aren't huge coffee drinkers there or the mac and cheese or whatever mac and cheese is pretty good you like mac and cheese yeah. I don't know so some things that, that are not guaranteed if it is chicken at Chick-fil-A I don't care it's gonna be good there's I just I don't doubt it I do not doubt it so I I'm very excited about it I'm not gonna say it's the best idea Chick-fil-A has ever had no I think the chicken sandwich is the best idea Chick-fil-A ever had um, but I'm very excited about it I hope it comes everywhere and uh, you know, Chick-fil-A in Tampa has spicy chicken strips and um, those were not everywhere. I don't are they are they anywhere everywhere now? I don't think spicy I chicken strips. I still don't think they're everywhere. Because I was about to say give us spicy strips. Yeah. And they're they in Tampa. Not. So I'm I hope a ta- I hope Tampa becomes a tech uh, a test market because then I will be able to take advantage of that this fall. What's up? 
I was going to say, since we're going fully down the food path here before we get to, you know, talking about another one, uh, this is Ted. We can we can mirror this back in Arkansas because this is about pulled pork. Is this breaking news? Uh, Well, I mean, yesterday. Yeah. Good enough. It's all breaking. And it's technically been available since opening day of baseball season. Did y'all see what the Kansas City Royals have? This barbecue pork sandwich. I do not know what you're talking about. So it it was going around on Twitter yesterday. I it's live been, under a rock. It's been offered since opening day because I remember seeing this. And you're sure they haven't traded it? Anywhere? Yeah. Okay. Um, but they've got a barbecue Reese's sandwich. Whoa. At the Royals baseball games, Whoa. it is it's Reese's peanut butter cups, pulled pork, sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce, and bacon on a sandwich. Wow. Okay. So. You love barbecue, but you don't want to mix it with Reese's. Probably not. Yeah, that's. What I love Re- no, I love Reese's more than barbecue. We're being honest. It's just not a. It's not a primary food. I love Reese's. Uh, if you don't love Reese's, kind of weird. It's awesome. Or you got a peanut allergy. Or <laughs> that's fair. Okay. That's excused. It, you're excu- <laughs> that's an excused absence from the Reese's hype train. Okay, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, I love Reese's, and all their products are sim are great. I don't even care. Even their Take Five, I mean, great. Don't care. Um, I just don't know if that's the right time and place for that. Okay, here's. Go ahead. I was going to say the this is I'm I know Ryan's not I'm not big fans of Darren Ravel as a as a reporter, but his food stuff yeah, is no, yeah. elite. That's um, why he just, he's unique. Yeah, he gives you different. I mean, it's just a unique perspective on things. Continue, a, a, sir. According to Aramark Sports, which is the food provider for the Royals, the this sandwich has accounted for a third of all barbecue sandwich sales at the Pit, which is the barbecue place that sells this in right field for April and May. So a third of all sandwiches that were sold there were the Reese's uh, sandwiches. A third of all sandwiches or barbecue sandwiches? Barbecue sandwiches. Okay. So see, well, does that does that mean do we have two barbecue sandwiches and the other one's getting going two to one? Or let's uh, dive in, shall we? I mean, I'm just saying because like th- that will influence how well I think that's doing. I mean, that's a good that's a good share of them. Kaufman the Stadium though. Dining Guide. Internet's amazing, isn't it? It's a good share of the of the market. You can talk, or no, I want to do this. Let's get out of here with this. All Let's right. get out of here with this, and and we'll go to break, and get back on more uh, sports topics. But this is important stuff. Well, this here. is technically sports. Start one, cut one, bench one. I did that in the wrong order. Start one, bench one, cut one. Yeah. All right. Okay. Start one, bench one, cut one. Crustless pizza balls from Papa John's. Uh, see what we're doing here. Chick-fil-A oh, trying so out easy. chicken wings. So easy. And then the Reese's so barbecue sandwich. Chick-fil-A trying out chicken wings is your starter, your closer, your finisher, your Hall of Famer, <laughs> your legend, your champion. Um, your bench rider is the sandwich, the barbecue Reese's cup sandwich. And uh, cut... And buried and put beneath planet Unbelievable. Earth is not pizza bowl. Yeah. Brooks? Listen, I'm not as big of a wing person as Ryan is, and I'm very intrigued by this barbecue Reese's sandwich, but I don't think I'm intrigued enough. So I would I would go mirror Ryan 
with start the the Chick-fil-A wings because Chick-fil-A hasn't really messed up anything that they've tried to do. Like everything they've done is good. So that is starting this the wings. Bench is the uh, the barbecue sandwich because I still want to try it. Cut is the toppings bowl. All right, here comes the wrong answer. Here, here you go, JJ. Yeah, here I'm going to be completely different. Yeah. You're obviously starting the crustless pizza bowl. You're going to bench the uh, Reese's barbecue sandwich and cut the Chick-fil-A chicken wings. Why? Because they're not wings? I'm just not a big uh, chicken wings fan from time to time. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, you like nuggets. Yeah, I do. Um, with that being said, knowing how much you guys love Chick-fil-A, would you not be fascinated sure. if you could be in the Chick-fil-A corporate office and see the percentage of purchase orders for the various products on the menu. That would be. Do I get to? Oh, yeah, be that cool, would yeah. be super cool reporting do for I, Ryan Lavoie to look at. Do, I know he would love to know the percentage of income that's on that chicken sandwich. Do I get to eat? And the while percentage at the of people that want to enjoy, you know, just a order of waffle fries or what? I mean, I know him. I know him. He knows you. I know him. I'm not disputing that. Okay. Man, go Papa John's. What a win today. Big win for the boys. All right, let's take a timeout. Sports Call continues in a moment. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're moving along on Sports Call today. WGGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, JJ Jackson, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress inside our studios. All right, here we go. Last segment. Got to be dialed in. Got to knock it out, okay? That's what we're going to do. All right, here we go. Arkansas, the Razorbacks, Sam Pittman. He's awesome. You can read about how amazing he was at SEC Media Days in particular by going to our website, thetiger.fm. Ryan Lavoy had an amazing recap day by day. Every day we were in Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Please go back and check out his written work. He's elite at doing those type things. But Arkansas, they've got K.J. Jefferson coming back at quarterback. This is a football team that loses Traylon Burks. He's off to the NFL. They've got a couple of guys, uh, big names that you know, on the defensive side of the football for the Hogs. And uh, I don't know. I mean, things are, are, are certainly improving there in Arkansas. Sam Pittman's bringing a lot of energy, a lot of noise. He's got a hog statue outside his house, uh, which is really fun. Which he was asked about. It yeah. Is, yep. So here we go. The Razorbacks in 2022, fellas. Yeah, you know, I, again, I, I love Sam Pittman, and I love the job he's doing there. I mean, again, I know I, I referenced the 10-game SEC slate earlier in the show. I, I know they went 3-7 and seven his first year, but again, uh, coming off of the seasons that they had had uh, where they had won 3 out of 12 games, they, they won 3 games with their non-conference games. They didn't win a conference game for a couple of years. I thought that was a start of a really, really good things there, and then keep in mind you know obviously that Auburn game happened in 2020 where they should have won and, and so you then parlay that into last year 
and they had a really quality season uh won eight games in the regular season obviously got going early beating the texas schools beating texas and texas a&m and look my concern for this team and it's a similar worry to Tennessee. It's the same side of the football, but it's 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 the I'm worried the reverse will happen. So, with Tennessee, you're looking to make improvements. You're trying to get from like 90 to 40th in the country, and if you can do that, your offense should be really good. You should win nine or ten games. With Arkansas to win nine games this year, they need to prevent the opposite from happening. They were about 40th in the country. As a matter of fact, their scoring defense was 39th. Their total defense was 50th in the country last year. That was both middle of the sec i'm worried they're gonna take a step back defensively because they don't have a lot of returning starters i do like bumper pool he's a terrific linebacker and i like jalen catalan in the safety so they've got a couple of good big name players however the i mean you're placing seven guys on the defense uh a lot of people are worried about Traylon burks being replaced on the wide receiver side i'm actually not as worried about that as others i, I definitely think Traylon burks was a, a tremendous player had 1100 receiving yards last year uh was awesome but i really like Jaden hazelwood who they brought in um out of oklahoma hazelwood had about 300 yards receiving last year not a insane amount but he was the number one recruit in the country at wide receiver about three years years ago so i think he's talented i think he's looking for a bigger opportunity he's also 6-3 so he kind of has that bigger wide receiver build uh kind of liked what Traylon burks had so i think with veteran quarterback kj jefferson with an offensive line that you know under sam Pittman's just always going to be good i think they returned three or four of their starters up front they're going to be good up front i i just think that their offense will be fine i i, I think it might get a little better than last year actually I, I don't think it'll take a step back but i'm just really worried about that defense one quick schedule note i'm not going to go through their whole schedule but really weird non-conference schedule for them this year and i think sam Pittman has gained enough trust for me not to sweat it too much but taking out the Missouri State game in week three they open with Cincinnati okay and now Cincinnati is replacing a ton of players I get it but Cincinnati is the first group of five team to make college football playoffs. That's pretty special they obviously have something going right there in Cincinnati and they're going to be in the big 12 soon so that's an interesting game to open up the season with they also have a little bit later I think this is right before their bye week they're at BYU that's a weirdly tough game uh, to go on the road. A team, another team joining the Big 12, by the way, that won 10 games last year, did get beat by UAB in a bowl game. I had to mention that, obviously. Um, but this is a top 25 team from last year. I, I'm not familiar, admittedly, with what everything BYU has coming back. But, again, top 25 team. Two of the best non-Power 5 teams you are playing. One of them playing on the road. And then also to throw in another tricky one, I, this one shouldn't be as bad as the other two, but playing Liberty. And again, of all the teams I could play that are supposed to be easy games, Liberty is not one of them. You know, Eastern Michigan, sure. Akron, sure. Um, if you want to go Conference USA, you go like Rice or something. You could go Charlotte, Old Dominion. Not Liberty. So, 
again, I don't think they'll necessarily lose those games, but those are games you have to pay attention. They ha- Arkansas has to pay attention to 11 games this year. And that's, and that's not something that every team in this league does. Usually the teams in this league get a bigger break than that. So that's an interesting schedule thing for them. But I did. I voted them second uh, in Atlanta. I, I did. I voted them just narrowly above A&M, and I thought long and hard about it because I just think Arkansas will win that A&M game earlier in the year, and that would maybe come out to be a tiebreaker. So I, I really like this team. I just if, if you're a supporter of the team, I think you just have to be a little bit worried about the defensive side of the ball. Um. I think Arkansas, you know, I, you look at where they're, you know, picked to finish in the conference, and you talked about this at SEC Media Days a lot, Ryan. I think they're in that realm that they could either finish as high as third or they could finish a lot lower in the SEC West. I think this year, it, I, I have faith that Sam Pittman has got a good thing going with with this Arkansas team. I think that they've got a lot of momentum after last year. And I'll tell you, what, last year, you know, you looked at the schedule going into last year where you played, you know, Texas A&M, you were at Georgia, you had Texas, uh, you played Auburn at LSU and at Alabama. That, we looked at that schedule and we said, wow, that's going to be tough, especially, like you said, Ryan, coming off that 3-7 and seven year the year before in the 2020 year. And they finished up 9-4 and four with a bowl win over uh, Purdue, or no, Penn State last year. I mean, that, that was, you know, bravo, Sam Pittman. You you did a really good job last year. I'm worried that for this Arkansas team that this could be a year that they may take a step back. And it's like what you were saying, Ryan. I, I don't. I think the offense is going to be relatively okay. You you get your you know two out of your top three leading rushers back with KJ Jefferson and Raheem Sanders. You get your you know you, like you said JJ KJ Jefferson back at quarterback, but two of your top three wide receivers are gone. You are bringing in one of the top wide receivers uh, in the country. From uh, that you said, Ryan, Oklahoma's um, Jaden Hazelwood, but still, it, it's still you've lost a lot there in the skill positions on the offense, and then as you mentioned on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they're only got four defensive starters back, and that's a big problem, especially yeah, in the SEC that? West. And so I, I think that they can get a, a, have a decent year this year, but you know you mentioned that schedule, Cincinnati. They are rebuilding a lot, but they're still a Cincinnati team that is a lot of people have picked to finish first in the AAC again this year. Uh, your second week is against the South Carolina team that a lot of people really like what Sh- Shane Beamer's been doing there, and you've got Spencer Rattler at quarterback now at South Carolina. You don't know what their offense is going to look like this year. Uh, Texas A&M's a team that that could be really really good this year. Uh, you've got Alabama on there, and then at BYU, uh, I've flipped back through the magazine I've got here, they've got 11 starters returning on defense, 8 starters returning on offense. That's a really veteran BYU team uh, that they they always find a way to beat a team that they're not supposed to. Um, And then it, it could be a difficult year. I think that the ceiling right now is eight wins, maybe nine wins for this this Arkansas team. I think the floor could be six to five wins, and I don't think that it would warrant a a firing or a you know a hot seat for Sam Pittman. But I think that it could it, it could get people saying, well, what happened last year? Why why aren't we as good this year? I, I think it could take. I'm not saying they're going to take a step back, but I think there's a real possibility with this schedule and because you're replacing so much on that defensive side of the ball that you could take a little bit of a step back i don't think anyone's in that conversation in regards to the future of sam Pittman. i'm just saying if you go from if you go from nine wins to five or six wins in a year that could start to creep up in the and especially in the southeastern conference take longer yeah. uh he's the third most secure job in the league behind saban and smart right now i, I don't think they, they love him there that, that it takes 
it'd take three of those for them to think about moving on from him. So I don't agree with you there. Where would you put the floor? The floor? I mean, I think the floor is around there. I don't think the floor is Could you is see a 5-7 um, and seven Arkansas team this year? And I'm not you, saying, listen, I'm not saying that not. this year, like if he goes 5-7, and seven, he's fired this year. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he goes 5-7 and seven this year after going 9-4. and four, Those conversations start to creep up. You'd be frustrated. Absolutely. Yeah, you'd be frustrated. be frustrated. Again, I, I, I think you're... You're saying next year would be like the year he would need to prove something. I, I think he's got a couple years in the bag of going five and seven, six and six, and he'd be fine. Again, this is not Alabama, and the turnaround has been remarkable because of what Chad Morris left the program in. So, no, I don't see that. But um, I, I think that they could be as low – as five or six wins, I, I want to say six because I just have a hard time believing they would they would go all the way down after winning nine games, after winning quality games in the SEC last year, that they would lose a whole collection of them. Because, again, ultimately, I, they'll beat Liberty. They'll beat Missouri State. And then you can question Cincinnati uh, and BYU, but I still think that they will win one of those. Um, South Carolina, again, being at Arkansas is a bonus. Uh, when you have LSU at home, uh, you know, that's a good place to play LSU. Playing at Missouri seems fine because Missouri feels like a team Arsenal will be favored against either way. So I think six wins the floor. Um, nine, maybe ten wins the ceiling, depending on what their defense actually looks like. When you look at it, like the only team I know is better than them is Alabama. And then I, it's college football, so I just, I just assume they'll lose another one. Like like A&M, you know, maybe, um, maybe at Mississippi State. They had trouble with Auburn last year. You know, Auburn could be in the bottom of the league, but, but Auburn was in the bottom of the league ultimately last year, and Auburn beat them fairly easily. So I think Arkansas is good. I think they have a lot of faith in Sam Pittman. The defense is what worries me, but I think ultimately their offense will be just fine even without uh, Traylon Burks from last year. 25 days away from football and from seeing what this Arkansas football team is going to be able to do this season. Every day, we're giving you a couple of SEC teams that you need to know about, and we're talking about them right here on Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. Our final timeout of the show, a nightly TV guide comes your way next here on Sports Call. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final segment here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show on this Tuesday. J.J. Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. And, yeah, we've got to uh, get out of here today. It's been a fun show. We've been able to accomplish a lot here on the program today. And as we do each and every day, we're going to close out our show by bringing you our Sports Call Nightly TV Guide. How does that sound, guys? Great. Are we ready to play some Thunder Chicken softball? Heck yeah. Yep. How ready? Very. So ready. 
Okay. Extremely. That's we had convincing to, we, enough. If we played last week and gotten beat like normal, I'd be like, eh, but we didn't get to play last week. So it's kind of like you that, play we got well. the energy. You We've missed well. it. Yeah. We've missed it. All right. Here's our nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, it's our Nightly TV Guide, and it's brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stop by your local TK's convenience store and pick up a nice, awesome pack of White Claw. This past weekend, I mentioned being away at my brother's bachelor's trip, and um, Uh-oh. I drank more White Claw oh, yeah. than even Heck imaginable yeah. in one weekend. Then my parents would certainly like to know. What was your number one um, flavor? Dude, I can't even pick one. All right. I really can't. I mango? really can't. A mango was was awesome. Uh, I was vibing a lot with watermelon okay. this week. That's why the variety packs are so great. Yeah. Because you finish one, and then you just stick your hand back <laughs> in and pull another one out. And it's like, what is this? Okay. Awesome. Do you want want some tidbit information on it now? Yeah. I had one this weekend, too. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. Good vibes. Good vibes. Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw. What's on television, Brooks? Uh, we continue to ramp up to the Little League World Series as the regionals continue tonight. It's the Mid-Atlantic Regional, Delaware versus Pennsylvania at 6 o'clock on ESPN. Then at 8 o'clock on ESPN, it is the Mountain Regional with Nevada versus Utah. So some great Little League action on tonight. Also on this evening in the sports world, the Atlanta Braves take on the Boston Red Sox 6 o'clock on Valley Sports South. Also TBS, if you don't have the Valley Sports South uh, as one of your channels. And the MLS All-Star Week is here. MLS All-Star Skills Challenge is tonight at 7.30 on ESPN. Those will look at your sports for the night. Your two movie picks for the evening, 6 o'clock on E! Network. We're getting ready for football. Why not bust this out? The Waterboy with Adam Sandler. Classic (laughs) comedy. And then, of course, FX tonight at 6.30. Thor from the Marvel Cinematic Universe if you are a superhero mood this evening. And that is a look at your night. The TV Guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Check it out. Awesome television picks for you to be aware of later this evening. All right, that's going to do it for our show today. Fun show today, and we're back on the air tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Ryan and Brooks, I'll see you, boys. Bye. Yep. That does it for today's show. Thanks so much to Ben Ingram and Justin Ferguson for being on our program. For Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day. Good day.